Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. We come to you from my Midtown Manhattan apartment, where I will be living for only a little bit longer. I was going to say, this is maybe the last pod from your apartment? It could be. I think that there's one, maybe even two left whoa, in this apartment. But whoa. Yeah. The fan base should take it in right now. Yeah. We're living on borrowed time. Enjoy it while it lasts. The pod will continue. Yes. But not from Chris's apartment. Not from my apartment. Yes. Right. We'll actually have space. We can go to your house. Yeah. We, we'll, I have like a whole basement and everything. That's amazing. Linda will be like, not even know you're there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so a lot to talk about right now. But yeah, it's funny. We thought we didn't have much to talk about, and but there's we, a fair amount. Yeah, there's a good amount to talk about. And I actually... Like, want to talk about the game, the LaSalle game that we just played. And I obviously want to talk a little bit about Penn and St. Joe's, although Penn did have a nice win over, well, not nice anymore because Providence sucks. Ugh. And St. Joe's, although both aren't very good and we should no. win both games. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. But I do want to spend a little time on LaSalle, some team takeaways. Yep. And then I really think we should do a look around the Big East just to take stock. Yeah. Of what's going on. Because we really haven't talked about yeah. anybody else yeah. at this point. But actually, I actually want to start with our Big East schedule. No, sorry, not our Big East schedule. Our schedule in the out-of-conference, just broadly speaking. As a whole. Yeah. As a whole. Okay. And I don't really know how better to frame this other than we scheduled time-wise poorly. Like, it was a poorly structured schedule. Yeah, t- tell me more about that. Because you're, you're not talking to, like, the teams we're playing, but more about literally how much space is in between Correct. the games. Correct. So we played our first game on, I believe it was a Tuesday. Okay. And then eight days later, so we didn't play a single game between that game against Army and the game versus Ohio State. Got a rest up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it really paid off. Right. <laughs> Most other teams had played another game, so they got another rep in between those two games we could have used the other we could have used that (laughs) clearly exactly yeah um and then i think we hit a streak where after that we had another game later that um weekend we played ohio and then we had the turkey tournament where we played three games in four days which is kind of normal yeah right which we talked about liking we were like hey we like to get these guys a bunch of reps right now i understand on thanksgiving week having no games because Everyone else is playing their turkey tournament sure. during that period of time. And it's a holiday break, so fine. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I don't like the fact that we didn't play on the holiday weekend. We talked about that on the last podcast, but whatever. We like to take the players away from their families on the holiday. That's what we emphasize here at the Full 40. No, the, but the players' families always go. <laughs> I know, it gives a I nice know. Thanksgiving trip. It's true, it's true. So then after that, so we played LaSalle yesterday. We have a normal week in that we have a, a weekend game, a midweek game, and another weekend game. Yeah. Okay. Following from the St. Joe's game this weekend, Yeah. we play – we don't have a middle with the week game next week. So then we play – a week later, we play against Delaware. Okay. Ooh, the Dylan Painter rematch. The Dylan Painter rematch. Very exciting. A week after that, we play against Kansas, much anticipated. Ooh. 
a week after, no, sorry, like eight or nine days after that, we play our first conference game against Xavier. That's wild. Yeah. So we so, just have all these week breaks. So we have all these week breaks throughout the entire season, uh, early conference, non-conference season. It's crazy. And, like, I, I think I'm one of the, my points of anxiety so far is that I feel like I still don't know what the team really has. I think yeah. we're starting to see some things yeah, come yeah. into shape and some identity being built. But I feel like these guys need reps. Like, we're going to go in with only 12 games. We played six games in November, six games in December. It just feels a little bit light. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the way the Thanksgiving holiday was structured and being as late as pretty much as late as it can be this year. Maybe it was something to do with that. But it just feels like our games are as spread out as ever. And we're playing at least one, if not two, less games in this time frame than we usually do. And maybe it would be less of an issue in years past where it's like, oh, the team is totally set. We know what everybody's roles are, and there's just not really as much growth. But as we continue to talk about, there's still a lot of question marks in terms of who's playing what's role, who's playing what role on the team. And in a situation like this, where you have these big gaps, it's kind of like, all right, Jay tries something out one Saturday, he makes some tweaks from it, and he's got to wait a week to try it out again yeah. and be like, oh, it didn't work, I'll tinker again, I'll wait another week to try it. It is a weird setup to, to actually develop a team. Right. And I... I do wonder, is was this intentional, knowing that he had a young team, to try and space it out to allow more practice time so you didn't have to do... Because there's a lot of prep work that goes in to the day before a game. Like, even if they're playing on campus, they go and stay at a hotel. Yeah. Like, I think they stay at the Marriott or something like that in Conchie. I can't. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I can't imagine just because, like, you book the, the turkey tournament, like, two years in advance, right? Right. And so, like, and then the other schedule, the other out-of-conference stuff falls out a little bit sooner so i'd be maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship there but like i can't imagine there was a whole lot of thought that went into it yeah it just comes across odd i i I don't disagree with you for sure i want a little more jay wright in my life than i'm getting right now now the flip side is once we play xavier on december 30th we have no buys giddy up the rest of the season. <laughs> so it's literally, there is no weekend, weekend, no weekday game throughout the rest of the season. So Damn. you will, so I mean, to that extent, it's a little bit fun because we get every week, you don't get any breaks. That's kind of crazy. Right? But then it's like Saturday and then, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday every week until until the last week of the season where we play, I believe Georgetown's our last game. Okay. That's the last Saturday of the season. Then we have which well, should be three or four days before the Big East tournament starts. But there's no breaks That's for the, for the entire conference portion of the season because the Big East usually does give two quote-unquote buys, but the buys are now being taken up by the Temple and the UConn games. Oh, that's right, because they got pushed to after the New Year. Right. We usually do play one non-conference game, yeah. so I think it's one. If I, I think had to you're guess, right, yeah. I think it's one game fewer in the November December time frame than we normally play than usual because we usually don't move two games into the conference portion of the season. That seems right. I feel like in my head I could be totally wrong with this and our fan base can call me out. I feel like we wrapped up Big 5 play prior to the conference last year. Um if we didn't it was Temple. No. 
Yes. If it, only it, there was a way we could look this up, but we're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to. No, it, it, it was Temple because I remember there was a few years back where we played Temple late, uh, later on, late okay. in January and February. I don't. I think it's kind of common, and I also think we played Connecticut last year. No, it was Connecticut. We played. No, we played Connecticut in December. We played Connecticut in December. Two years that ago, was the JQ game. Two years ago, we played Connecticut in January at their place. Okay. Regardless. We're in kind of a weird situation. Yeah, it is weird. Okay. All right, so that was my opening spiel. Fair. I think it's a good spiel. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk the LaSalle game a little bit. Okay. So a couple takeaways from the LaSalle game. One, holy hell. The rebounding, the inbounding. The inbounding. Is, is what I mean to say. The inbounding is arguably worse than I can ever remember it. Now, LaSalle, knowing... Ashley Howard, Ash, former assistant, knowing that he's got a young, Jay's got a young squad, put on the press the entire game. So it rightfully forced, so, rightfully so, and put us in a very pressurized situation. Now you take a more athletic team, a more experienced team, etc. We get turned over a lot more in that in that game. Yeah, like Bob, LaSalle Bob fouled Hogan. us a couple of times. Yeah. They didn't. They 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 missed an assignment a couple of times, and we got trip lucky a couple of times. Because they knocked the ball out, even though it kind of looked like it was us. So, like, <laughs> it was not a good look. And I realized that literally it's feast or famine for Jay Wright with inbounding. And it always has been. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, either, it's either we have a play that gets us into a Final Four, wins a national championship, or we barely can inbound the ball. Yeah. And that was a lot. Yeah. To your point, if this was playing against Bob Huggins, Press Virginia... We would have lost that game by about 35. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just, it, we would have been absolutely smoked. Right. And it definitely showed the youth of the team, and it was a struggle the entire game, which I will say, they were pressing up until literally the last possession. Yes. Which was kind of wild, because they were, I mean, they were down like 10 with a minute and, you know, or 30 seconds to go. And it was one of these like, all right, is Jay telling Ashley to keep pressing? I was like, sitting there, <laughs> I was sitting there watching that game, and I was thinking that Jay was giving Ash a wink, being like, "Come on, keep playing, yeah, <laughs> keep playing." Keep, I got to get my guys, I got to get my guys tweaked up. Yeah, right? I know. I, I need a little practice here. Yeah, I need a couple more video sets to tell teach my guys how to play. But I mean, Jesus, it was like really we bad. can't inbound the goddamn basketball. Yeah, it's crazy. It was, it was um, pretty. So yeah, that was takeaway number one. Takeaway number one. The point of that takeaway is, dear Jay Wright, do better on inbounds, please. You know, we've had this conversation before. <laughs> he saves it all up, right? Yeah. He he gives it to the inbounding gods. He's like, hey, you know what? We'll suck all season, and then when it comes to March, I'll cash in my chips, baby. Yeah. Like, let's and he go. does. He cashes, he cashes in those chips pretty damn hard. Um, so I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, it's true. It's but, true. oh, my goodness, it's frustrating you, you think they at some point they'd run, like, a basic, like, oh, here's a press breaker, guys. Like, it's not too hard. And I have to say, the one little bit of basketball research I did was, I think, prior to the West Virginia game a couple years ago, I looked up. I was, like, looking up videos of how to break a press, and I was like, oh, this isn't too complicated. Like, eh, a couple screens, a couple picks. All right, we should be okay. You'd think they'd do that. Didn't seem to be a priority for Jay, though. No. But what am I to tell him what to do? Yeah. Anyway. Um, should we move on to takeaway number two? Takeaway number two, Brian Antoine. Return of BA! Yeah. So we know Brian played a little bit in the Turkey tournament, but this is the first game that he got some action during a game that I would say was somewhat contested. 
Yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't hotly contested. We right. were up, except for like a very poor part, like you know, very like a swale in the second half where we looked like shit. But aside from that, we pretty much were in control the rest of the game. And, well, but he, but it was more closely contested than that Middle Tennessee contest. Yeah, and he even came in in the first, Brian Antron came in in the first half of. The LaSalle game when I can't remember if we were still losing at that point or just up by a couple because LaSalle got off to a pretty good start and we were actually down. So, yeah, to your point, the first real meaningful minutes that Antoine's played. Yeah. And, I mean, first off, he looks bouncy. I don't know how to describe it in a better way than that. Just there's just like he looks like he's got like springs in his legs. Yes. Maybe a little bit too bouncy. Like he's a little bit jittery almost, but. Yes, exactly what you mean. He plays light on his feet, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to put it because he just comes across like every other guy looks like they're stomping as they're running. Yeah, yeah. Like not hating on any of the athleticism of any of the guys, but he doesn't look like he's moving. Oh, it looks like he's floating. He's like an elf from Lord of the Rings. Any sure. Lord of the Rings fans out there, you know, Legolas, he walks on the snow because he's an elf. Like, anyway. It's yeah. It's my, my sci-fi reference for the big Lord of the Rings fan. Not a Lord of the Rings guy, but yeah, uh, sure. I trust you. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with it. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right. So you're okay. All right. So Brian Legolas Anton. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Very excited about that. <laughs> Brian Legolas Antoine. Oh, oh That's so, perfect. The Archer. Yeah. So look, he looked like a talented athletic freshman who... Needs to get worked into the system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not... <laughs> he wasn't exactly in the right position all the times defensively. He looked like he had a tendency to get a little lost on some offensive plays because I was spending a couple possessions just watching him. Yeah. And it looked like there was a little bit of that. But nothing that was, like, unfixable. Like, clearly an athlete... There was one play where uh, JRE had a great, in like... Dumped oh, down that pass. Feed? Yeah, that was and nice. then he went up, and my goodness, on like an off bounce from underneath the rim, he got way up for a little like hook lay in, yeah, which was awesome. Yeah. And like that showcased what he can bring to the table. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that, he took that, one or two shots, missed both, but yeah. that's fine. He'll get a shot together. Yeah, he's it, a rail. Yeah. He's a rail. He needs. A, I know he had shoulder issues, so he couldn't do any real arm or upper body related exercise but yeah. he's going to need to do that. Yes, for, he needs to eat food. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for a lot of time. He needs a heavy dose of shack fit. Yes. Yeah. He is. It's um yeah, I, I think you're spot on with the he's very much getting worked into the offense. He seemed to be at sometimes on the court and sometimes yes, he was technically on the court, but you're like, "Ah, you're kind of involved in this possession." <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. It's fine. All of it's this fine. is all of this is fine. It's effectively that was like effectively game one for him almost. And like we talked about before, we knew it was gonna take a little bit of time for him to get worked in, but Jay is clearly now in the position of saying, Okay, we are actively working you into the rotation. Yeah. I wanna stay on pseudo the Antoine topic. Legolas, you mean? Legolas, Brian Legolas Antoine. Yes. <laughs> I wanna stay a little bit on that topic. Just in the context of freshmen in general and also Villanova players in general, because a lot going into the season, there was a lot of talk about two five-star guys on Mm. the team uh, in JRE and Brian Antoine, and even the kind of coming-out party of Sadiq Bey, who also looked great. Hey, Bey Bey. 
um, last night in many respects. Uh, and there was a lot of talk about, okay, does this team have one, two, maybe three draft picks this year? What are we looking at, etc.? Yeah. I looked at the ESPN published a new draft board today. And now, granted, you can't trust all these things. But that and, being and said— And to fact check you, I didn't believe where you're going with this, so I checked two other draft boards, which corroborated where you're going. Right. And there were zero Villanova players on ESPN's draft board, and it went 1-60. to 60. Yes. Now, granted, I can tell you that the advice that Jay and a lot of people will give, especially younger players in the program, will be if you are projected second round, late second round, etc. If you're not gonna, if you're not projected to sniff the first round, you stay in school. Yeah, absolutely. There's no guaranteed contracts. Yeah, guys up to like 35, 40 pretty much usually get guaranteed contracts, but generally speaking, it's a big risk. It's a huge risk. Yeah. I mean, Omari took a huge risk, and we'll get to Omari a little yeah, bit later. Yeah. But Omari took a huge risk and got dra- and got and got fortunate. But there's been sure. other players who have gone early and not been as fortunate, and it's been a major detractor on their career. Yeah. So, so the advice that these guys would get, and they're not even in the second round draft board. Yeah. So, my point in saying all of that is, I do think that we're going to have a lot of time with this team. Yeah, is it possible that Antoine blows up late, Jerry blows up late, Bay blows up late? Sure. The odds that all three go from not even on a draft board yeah. to pretty much getting first round guarantees are is slim and none. Yeah. I think you could get I think there's realistically maybe one. One. But I think that's pretty much it. And I think yeah, agreed. That's it. And look, I don't want to get ahead of myself, I don't want to write this season off, but in the chance that everybody comes back, which, you know, positives and negatives, you like to see guys advance, go to pro, whatever. If everybody comes back, you got to be talking Natty next year. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a big holy shit. Now, that's getting way ahead. Way ahead, yeah. We just skipped ahead like a year, year we're, and a half. We're like, we just wrote up the whole season. <laughs> and that's not my point at all. But it is. I thought it was an interesting takeaway, and it's something that, Rob, you and I are going to monitor throughout the season on the full 40, and we'll just give everyone – listening just a quick update of everything you need to know on that um but it's something i want to monitor because there was a lot of as i said there was a lot of talk going into the season about what our draft would look like in terms of what guys are going to come out we got these two five-star studs etc and there is just no discussion in the quote-unquote nba draft circles for them right now. Yeah, it, it was interesting looking into it because I had looked a few weeks ago, really before the season had started, and the guy that had typically been in, call it that, like 15 to 20, 25 range, was JRE. Right. Had shown up on a, a number of mock drafts at this point. And I don't know if it's that, hey, he hasn't blown people away so far. or I mean, He's like, been really good. He's been very good, for sure. Maybe just other people have risen a little bit. I, I don't know. Villanova as a whole hasn't been quite as much on the radar because we had, you know, we had a couple chances for good wins. We didn't follow through on those, and as a result, that definitely flows through to people's draft status, rightfully yeah. so or wrongfully so. It is what it is. Right. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think I think JRE is the guy who has a chance to work back into that draft spot. I think at this point, though, I'd be surprised if Antoine or Bay work it back in. Yeah, let's just talk about it a little bit because it's a little bit more specific. So JRE, I agree. JRE like has that feel of a very talented big man in the NBA, but he's not 
quite like this unicorn five. No. At all. So I guess he'd be more of like an NBA four. four. Yeah. And he can stretch it. He can shoot the three. Absolutely. He's skilled on low post moves. Yep. Got good handles. And he's got good he's got good enough handles and he can he has good vision. He's good court awareness. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I want to hit this point a little bit harder. He actually has like if Jalen Brunson were like a forward slash center. Yeah. He might be Jeremiah Robinson. Ooh, that's interesting. In that I think Jeremiah Robinson is a little more athletic than Brunson, but Jerry comes across as like a heady guy. Very cerebral. Very yeah. cerebral, focused, trying to get better, etc. And also if you remember Jalen early in his career, lacking a little bit in the defensive department. <laughs> like not through a lack of effort, but yeah. through a lack of practice and skill and a little bit of athleticism, etc. Yeah. JRE his defensive plays always come by letting a guy get past him and then going up and getting a block and getting a swat on a guy who goes up soft. Yeah. But even JRE himself has gotten swatted sometimes for being a little soft. Yes. And he gets routinely beat down low by guys who he shouldn't get beaten by. I was going to say, I thought it was a little bit of an anomaly after the Ohio State game because I was like, look, he's playing Caleb Wesson. That dude is legit, right? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, you've seen it a couple times in games after that, too, where, yeah, this isn't necessarily an all-Big Ten guy who's beating you. It's just somebody else who yeah, it was got a guy the better South Yeah. Who was beating him. Yeah. Sh- probably shouldn't happen. Right. Hot right. take. Yeah. So <laughs> so if you're looking for it, if you're looking to poke holes, he's not the most athletic guy, and he's not the best defensively. Yeah. So maybe when you look at that and you look at in the big in the biggest game we've had so far, which is against Ohio State, he was struggled. Yeah. If you look at all of that, you say, okay, maybe he's not ready yet. Yeah. And it's fine. By the way, no criticism here. No, uh, we no. love we're big JRE guys oh, full yeah. forty. It uh, basically literally any year, any team, you tell me, hey, we're gonna add JRE to your team, I'd be like, Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. The question is are we? You have to nitpick to say why isn't he a guaranteed first round pick? Yeah. And right now, that has to be the feedback. I, I think so. Without yeah. reading further about it, yeah. that has to be the feedback. I would imagine. Yeah. Right. And so, and so you have that. Then, um, Antoine, we talked about it's it's phys- it's physical stature right now. I think that's it. He is very thin, and even. Prior to news, eh, prior to news coming out about his surgery, his shoulder surgery, he was on some mocks in kind of the mid first round. So I think the combination of the so- shoulder surgery, the physicality, and frankly at this point, just kind of the lack of playing time and lack of press yeah. has probably hurt him. Now, Antoine is an interesting situation because he has certainly has the athleticism and talent and bounciness to 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 spring way up in the bo- in the. Uh, in the draft board, yeah. But realistically, he should—he would be a huge benefactor of a season, uh, the summer, yeah. to work out with Shaq and get real strong as possible, almost like how Mikhail did yeah. over the course of his time at Villanova to get to that point where then he comes in next year totally body ready and just absolutely dominates. Yeah, I can see that. Right, and then Bay. I, I, I don't have much of an explanation from Bay, for Bay. <laughs> yeah, I, Bay's got a lot of good skills. He has a weird looking shot. He does have a weird looking shot. Um, it's a little bit flat, it, and I, I wonder, but he's got a lot of skill. I, I mean, wonder if one of I, I wonder if a little bit of this is frankly coming is frankly reflecting 
a bit of this idea of kind of preseason expectations almost, where similar to teams, right, if you're not ranked in the top 25 preseason, you have to do a lot of work to get into the top 25, right? Like it takes a while for the voters to be like, oh yeah, you're on my radar, and yeah, you're good, and I should move you into the top 25. Similarly, I think Sadiq Bey takes kind of that that similar position from a player perspective where, yes, he got recognized as a, a wooden top 50 award, but wasn't necessarily on anybody's draft radar. So he's got to do a lot of work and have a lot of those kind of takeover games to really get recognized. And yes, we say athletically and physically he is, I'll say more physically, I don't know about athletically, he's not necessarily a killer athlete, he's not super quick by any means. Physically, he can play in the NBA by all means, but he doesn't have that, you know, jump off the court type athleticism that'll get you noticed immediately. So I think that may just be he's got some more work to do and has to put together a number of those 20 plus point games, which he'll presumably do to get on those draft boards. Right. Okay. Anyway. All right. There's a lot of draft talk for us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We Shocking. usually don't spend much time at all in. December. In December, yeah. Having that conversation. But I think it's important thing to monitor yeah. throughout the y- year fair. for the team because I do think that there is a mentality in the fan base. And I think this talks to our expectations, which has been yeah. a huge topic of discussion here at the Full 40. We've gotten a lot of feedback on our managed expectations yeah. Yeah. Um, throughout, which we're of the opinion we've been right so far. We haven't wanted to be right, yeah. but we've been on the opinion that we've been right so far. Totally agree. Um, now, that being said, a lot of that conversation has to do with the fact that I think a lot of fans have in their head this idea of we have to win now because this is a team with a lot of talent and a lot of guys are going to go in the draft and we're just not going to have this team again next year. And we got a lot of these talented guys and we have to be like a one-and-done Kentucky-type yeah. Duke-type team in order to be good. And that's just not how this is going to play out. So one of the things I want to say is fans, take a deep breath because chances are we're, we're returning a minimum of like 90 to 95 to maybe 100% of the minutes from last from this year's team next year. So keep an eye on it. We're going to keep an eye on it. It's something that we don't typically talk a lot about throughout the season on the full 40, but... We're going to do it in the context of expectations. Yeah, I like it. And I want to use that quickly to talk about expectations on a go-forward basis because we'll talk a little bit about the other thing I saw in the LaSalle game I'll call takeaway number three. Fox Sports coverage? Well, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> not not that, but oh my God. They had a call-in in the beginning yeah, can, of the we, second can half. Can we spend a minute on this? This is ridiculous. That was absolutely absurd. A call-in, it was like... Uh, it was great. It was like I was listening to sports talk radio while the game was going on. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck was that? Wait, it was a guy. It was a guy who what had played with Raf or something like that. Yeah. I, which which was all fine and good, but literally in the middle of the game, the call quality is terrible. Right. Like it was like staticky. This dude's just. I feel like they wanted him on for like a five second sound bite, yeah. and he just kept talking. Yeah, he just kept. Going. The guy just absolutely was like, "No, I'm on this call. Yeah, you, you're, I'm, you're hearing all my voice for a while." It was like, and uh, he was like trying to just have like a conversation with Raf while the game was going on, and you could tell Raf was literally like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, all right, awesome, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right." <laughs> 
Cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks. All right. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Like, did not prep this guy at all for what he was calling into. It was. It should have been like. What was that? Yeah. Whatever. Leave it to Fox Sports. That and then their their halftime. Like, I always love the Villanova love, which Fox Sports is so mistimed on it. They did the the Mount Rushmore of Villanova, which I don't know. Whatever. It was a poorly produced piece, like most of the stuff Fox Sports put out. But I'm just like, ah, I love that you're you're taking the time now to, to flaunt Villanova as like your big asset. Didn't bother doing that when we won the title in 18 and 16. But hey, you guys do you. Yeah, oh they're they're so bad. Anyway, we're just getting into Fox. It's Fox Sports season, baby. Get yeah. excited. There's so much more to come. I oh can't yeah, wait. we will definitely have a lot oh, of anti Fox programming here on the full 40. Oh, my but goodness. we still like them. I mean, because they do they do pay us because they pay us and they show us and they. Love us. Yes, so, 100%. Fine. Yeah. Anyway, I interrupt you with your, your third takeaway. My third takeaway is our defense is not good. It's not great. No, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be We kind. have looked at Kempom, third best offense or like top five offense Which in the country. Which shocked me, by the way. It doesn't shock me too much. We can explode. I know that you're talking about the Ohio State game, but Ohio State also get like a little bit of like a bump from that game because they're really good. They're very good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you have our offense is really good, but our defense is like not even in the top twenty percent of all college basketball teams. It's not very good, which is bad. Yeah, right, patently bad. So we, we, we've been a late blooming defensive team. We've always Pierce, have been. Pierce. We always have been because of the switching defense. And right. We talked about we'll that. Talk about it. Yeah. But coming from a low floor, low base. Yeah, when you're at this low a base to start the season, yeah. your hopes can't be too high. So. This team right now, I think, is like 65 to 70 on Ken Palm okay. in terms of defensive quality yeah. and efficiency. If this team can get into the top 40 or top 30 by the end of the season, then yeah, maybe we're talking about yeah. a, a, a real deep run. Like loss is going to lead the way. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, absent that, um, yeah. Hold your expectations in check. All right. Let's wrap up our LaSalle takeaways with our two awards. Shaq Fit, Man Play of the Week. It's got to be Bay's dunk. Yeah, the second half dunk. The second half dunk that effectively ended the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Just a hammer. Dude, dude knows how to throw it down. Yeah. Um, alpha and dog. Ba- yeah, and the alpha dog's got to be Justin Moore. I know. I know you're not a, a huge Justin Moore fan. No, no, no. Don't call me not a Justin Moore fan. I am a Justin Moore fan. I'm not a Justin Moore guy okay. just yet. Okay. okay. Like, I don't stand Justin Moore relentlessly like others do. I want some more Justin Moore. Wow. There we go. Just an obvious one. I know. I, but I, I, mean, I, I, like, don't, I don't bring more than the obvious here. I like Justin Moore. I think he's a great player. I really like the fact that he's on the team. I think he brings an intensity level and a level of effort that I really enjoy. I'm just not totally standing him yet because I think he needs a little bit time to mature. He tends to have a little bit of a quick trigger. He tends to sometimes, I think there's sometimes where he should pass where he doesn't. I just want to see him work and do things a little bit more naturally in the offense. That being said, he was outstanding yesterday. Yeah, drop 25. And so, yeah, he's the alpha dog of the week. There we go. Justin Moore. Yep. Who doesn't know what the Big Five is, by the way? <laughs> go watch, go watch Jay's press conference uh, after the game yesterday. It was pretty funny. He was uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of jabbing Justin Moore for one, not knowing what the Big Five was, and then two, I guess, not listening to Jay's like 
pre-Big Five pep talk for several days. So worth a listen. So on the topic of the Big Five, again, as we said, we're playing Penn Wednesday, St. Joe's Saturday. They're terrible. They're not good. We should win both games. The only one you got to watch out for, in my mind, I know we lost to Penn last year, but we're at home versus Penn this year. Should be a different story. We should watch out for that St. Joe's team. They did beat UConn. It's a rivalry game. Which the fact that it's they beat UConn their is, Super Bowl. is terrible. Yeah. They're two and six. Yeah. They're abysmal. Yeah, they're not good. No, no St. Joe's isn't good. But it's their it's a rivalry game. It's their Super Bowl. And if we played like we did in stretches versus LaSalle in the second half yesterday, we could get a little dicey. Look, here's my prediction of that rivalry game. The St. Joe's Villanova rivalry has taken the same course as the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. Yeah, but Michigan's still better. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But every year, one of the teams gets hyped up. The other team is looking around like, oh, yeah, this this used to be a big game. It's not a big game. We're going to come in. We're going to smoke them. I'm predicting a 2-0 week. If it's not a 2-0 week, we've got some issues. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. All right. So that's that. Now, that's I do want to take a little bit of stock of the Big East. Yes. Because there's a lot going on. And Including some breaking news. Yeah, we got breaking news, but we have three or four weeks left until the Big East season, and we'll do a, a more broad preview um, right around Christmas, right before we get into the Xavier game and after the Kansas game. That'll be a big pod. Uh, but do want to talk a little bit and take a little bit of stock in the Big East just to give everyone a little bit of an update as to where everyone stands right now. But let's start with the breaking news that literally just came out like – Two hours ago. Yeah. Like, Rob was on his way to my apartment. I'm on my way home from work. Boom. Breaking news. Effective immediately. Two players on Georgetown are removed from the team. Done for the season. And they are James Akinjo, who was the biggest pl- freshman of the year yeah. last year. And uh, Josh LeBlanc. And Josh LeBlanc. So collectively, they average twenty points a game. So these are significant contributors to the Georgetown team that was yeah. expected to make some noise and potentially a tournament run this year. Yeah. I don't want to jump to the conclusion here, but and, and we'll get to to the reasons too. But well, this has huge implications on their season. Yeah, huge implications <laughs> on their season. Just talking basketball, like Georgetown had already gotten off to a wildly disappointing start. Yeah, they, they didn't look they good. They had one game against that they won against Texas, right. which was nice. But wildly disappointing because this was a team that, I mean, I'll give I'll be honest. It, I was kind of standing Georgetown a little bit before the before the season, thinking that this could be a top five Big East team. This could be a team that makes the NCAA tournament. They're returning their whole team, basically, yeah. except for, um, oh, I forget the big man's name off the top of my head, from last year. Jesse Govan. Yeah, Govan. Except for that, like, they're returning a lot. They had those freshman studs who got all that playing time last year. Yeah. So, like, I was thinking, okay, these guys, like, could be a, a hot. Yeah, they could make some noise. They could make some noise. Blow that off, smithereens. Yeah. Disappointing start. Have lost bad games. And now. Yeah, two, they they were already four. They already yeah. had three losses. Yeah, they already had three losses. Now lost two of their better players. Put them in the, put them in the trash. They're done. Yeah, they're abs- there's tournament chances are over. They're done. Yeah. They're done. And, and, because their best win, now you have to discount it, and the NCAA would. You discount it because, you, well, you didn't have two players who were important. Yeah, absolutely. And so reasons why, look, there's no official 
course of reason why nothing's leaked out just yet but all i'll tell you is that it doesn't look good and if you really want to check it out go on the comment section of casualhoya.com or reddit's got or some, reddit's yeah. got some stuff we've heard some noise we're not going to repeat it because it's not appropriate to repeat but if it's, that, un- it's unconfirmed unconfirmed but if that is true they made a good decision to kick them off the team and possibly should have other legal otherwise implications. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, we're not we're not going to go into it. It's a simple Google search. You can find it very quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, totally agree. If if any of those rumors are true, it's it's definitely the right choice. Which which then brings me to you know real quick side side note here about some of Jay's big scandals. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout the years, which uh, yeah, the, made me think the, the phone, the phone card, the phone card scandal. Really, don't have good people on on Villanova's team. Yeah, it's rough. Jay just runs a dirty program. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, there was a phone card scandal, which <laughs> many of the people listening is probably like, "What the fuck is a phone card?" <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Phone card. Good right. God. Which actually brought me to another point that I thought was funny yesterday. They played. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Yes. And I saw someone tweet this, and I actually had said it out loud. Rob was with me while I was there. I said, do people in school right now even get that reference? <laughs> it's the, true, right? That, that shit is, what, that came out in what, the, the late 90s? 90s? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was literally before people in college were born. Right. Not, do you feel old? Yeah. I mean, you just bought a house, so you definitely feel old. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway. All right, back so, to the Big East. Back to the Big East. George we're going to start at the so bottom, so... Let's start with the bottom. It's it's Cyber Monday. Shit's on sale. Who are you selling low? Uh, Providence. Providence. Good God. Yeah. Cooley, hot seat. Yeah. Cooley went from having an offer to coach yes. Michigan. Yeah. Yes. To is now on the hot seat of Providence because his team, which had lofty goals and expectations. Everybody's year, back. Has lost so many horrendous games they lost to long beach state like what yeah and they look totally disjointed they lost a pen they look off there's there is literally no excuse for this ed cooley was the coach of the team usa team at the pan am games he had a number of his players there he had the summer to get them together he gave them that leadership opportunity like you said he brought most of his team back this team is dramatically underperforming. And look, Cooley you have has... To, you have to think that there's something going on. I, I don't know. But, I mean, Cooley's gotten a lot of credit of, like, oh, like he's been a consistent coach. I don't... Depending on how this season goes, it could get him fired. It's been that bad. It's been that bad. If I'm, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Because you think, I think if you're he's a booster, up, you give him one more year. I think he's built up enough goodwill in the program between winning the Big East championship that one year, making the tournament a bunch of times when yeah. he hadn't made it previously for a long time. I just think that he gets at least another year. But this is it. This is such a bad performance. It's terrible. No, yeah. like people did. I did not see this one coming. Now, Providence has been a team that gets hot late, so. I'm still selling right now. Yeah. But, like, we could be looking in a month or two and I might be buying. Okay. But at this I, point, I'm, I'm not. I'm, at this point, I'm harvesting capital losses. <laughs> talking about being nice, old. Nice. Yeah, right. And getting rid of them. Yeah. All they're, right. They're terrible. Real quick Marquette, Creighton, and St. Joe's make up St. John's. St. John's, sorry. Make up the next tier. They've all done fine. I mean, let's pause on on Marquette real quick. 
Marcus Howard is playing, was playing out of his mind, (laughs) and then came back down to earth. Yeah. He scored 91 points in two games, including a 50-point game. And then six versus Maryland. (laughs) Yeah. Did not show up to the big game. They got smoked. They got smoked against the big opponent. Now, that's become a theme, not only for Villanova, Mm -hmm. but for the entire Mm -hmm. Big East. And let's just go there real quick. Yeah. In that, well, Creighton did have that win against Texas Tech. Yeah. But... Texas Tech has come down to earth. But Texas Tech has come down to earth for now. I think Chris Beard will get that... We'll get them set up. Yeah. But the Big East lacks a signature win right now. And that has become a problem. The Big East has broadly, with Georgetown and Providence aside, has broadly won the games that they're supposed to win. But we haven't, with one or two exceptions, won any games that we could have won to yeah. build the tournament resume for the entire conference. And that is problematic. And there's only so many more opportunities left. One of them being our game versus Kansas. Yeah, yeah. We've kind of Big East has kind of held serve, if you will. And They've done, done a, more, but but by only holding serve in every game, it's like they haven't. It's like we haven't held serve because you would think with yeah, as many you get one, you get one, two, three. Yeah, right. But yeah, then you're talking about Seton Hall, which is widely considered to be the best or second best team in the Big East this year had two opportunities versus Michigan State and Oregon where they were in the lead late, yes. right there in the end of the game, and, well, Oregon was a total blow. Like, they were up big on Oregon, yeah. and they absolutely blew that game. And then Michigan State, they really had a chance to win. They should have won the Michigan They should have won that game. Yeah. Kevin Willard doing Kevin Willard things, not yeah. getting the job done. Okay. Now I want to talk about Xavier, who I'm just going to let you riff on this because you came in just hot-headed about Xavier. Yeah, okay. So for any of our old-time listeners here, you may remember in Season 1, we had a little bit of a bit going about Chiron Cartwright. Now, Chiron Cartwright was a good point guard from Providence. His senior year was two years ago, also the senior year for a guy you may have heard of by the name of Jalen Brunson. Anyway, Fox Sports went on one day, this big tangent about one of the guys about how Kyron Cartwright was the best point guard in the Big East. Mind you, that was the year Jalen Brunson won play, National Player of the Year. Yeah. So anyway, we, we used to do a little bit of a segment about how great Kyron Cartwright was, emphasizing that he actually wasn't that great. He was he, good. He was good. Don't right, get me wrong. Right. He was good. But it was just ridiculous in the context of Jalen Brunson being in the Big East. Totally ridiculous. So as we were doing a little bit of prep for this this segment, I was looking around and I was like, who's like my Chiron Cartwright for this year? Well, I came to the conclusion so far that my Chiron Cartwright isn't a player. It's a team. And that team is the Xavier Musketeers. Yeah. I don't get the Xavier hype. They're not ranked right now, but they were ranked coming into the year, which I find very strange. They had... Kind of a kind of hot finish to last year. They didn't make the tournament. We had a tough game against them in the Big East tournament. We had a tough game against them in the Big East tournament, and they, they blew us out at home. Fine. But, like, to not make the tournament, and, yeah, they brought they brought most of the players back, but then to be like, yeah, like, this is a ranked team. Like, this is a good team. I was like, are they? <laughs> are, are they really? And, they have and I kind of went I kind of went with it. I was like, yeah, Xavier, that would be good. Yeah, they're going to be good. Like, I don't buy Xavier yet. And they're they're seven and one. So like, yeah, they've got seven wins. Not really against anybody. So 
I am selling Xavier. Xavier is my Chiron Cartwright this year. All right. All right. So I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm definitely not sold on the Xavier train. Yeah, so Rob's selling Xavier. I'm a hold. I mean, I, they're fine. I, I I'm not as passionate about Xavier as you are. Yeah. Butler and DePaul are this year's overachievers so far, <laughs> which is crazy to say. They're both undefeated. Because I think they were, like, the bottom of the Big East last year. But, like, yeah, they're both undefeated. DePaul... There's been a whole hashtag on Twitter going on called hashtag Rank DePaul. It's been this big like Twitter thing going on and like the what I'll call the Big East basketball Twitter. Yeah, um, it's been like Rank DePaul, Rank DePaul. And to be fair, they have three out of conference wins against Power Five teams on those Power Five teams' home court. None of those teams, I don't think, were ranked. But like, <laughs> yeah, but like we'll caveat a lot of this. But like eight and zero, you're winning some games away from home. Dave Lato has already received a contract extension. I'm not joking. Yeah, no, as, as he should, because DePaul's ain't no. Like, I don't know how to say it better than that. Like, DePaul's ain't no. Without Max Struess. Without the Struess. The Struess is no longer to be found. So he's he can't loose be loose. somewhere else. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's totally wild. <laughs> the Struess is wild. <laughs> but Paul Reed is the guy to look out for. This guy is on draft boards. This guy is blowing up. Wait a minute. You're telling me DePaul has a guy on draft boards and we do not have correct. a guy on draft boards? Correct, correct. What is the world coming to? Look it up. Paul Reed. Watch his highlights. This Damn. guy is a pogo stick. <laughs> Paul Pogo Stick Reed. I yeah, like it. Yeah, watch out. Watch out. So I do I, I'm buying DePaul. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm on I'm buying. What where do you think DePaul ends up at the end of the season? In the big east? Yeah. Not not tenth? Fifth or sixth. Wow. Yeah. Dude. No, no. I got Georgetown penciled in for number 10. Yeah, you're probably right. If you're a DePaul fan and you're realistically thinking, now, holy shit, we can get fifth or sixth in the Big East, yeah. you're ecstatic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely ecstatic. That's unreal. Right. Dave Lato is going to get a statue outside of whatever <laughs> arena they have. I think they actually have like a brand new arena. Yeah, no, they do. They do. I mean, it's a beautiful new arena. It's probably nice. So, look, I think we've all been waiting for this moment where DePaul – Rises from the ashes. That's definitely the moment I've been waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been sitting here talking about how DePaul, not Georgetown, is the is the program we're looking to rise (laughs) from the ashes. Absolutely. But DePaul is the phoenix of this year. Oh my gosh! And Butler is also a little bit because Butler, if you remember last year, I went on a whole rant before the final Butler game, being like, Butler sucks. Butler's bad. Butler's a terrible team. I was right. But Butler has been good. This year, <laughs> Butler's returning a lot of their guys. I don't know. I'm a little bit of a buyer on Butler. Interesting. I I would probably never sell Butler. I believe in the Butler way. The Butler way. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It I is. don't know. There's some mysticism behind that. There is. There's some mysticism there as well as there is like the Villanova basketball type thing. Yeah. It it literally means everything and nothing at the same time. Correct. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's like good things when when you win and. It's just like, oh, we didn't play Butler basketball when you lose. Whatever so, that yeah. means. So, look, broad strokes here. Villanova being where we are right now, because the question is, okay, how are we going to fare? Right now, as we're looking at it, given the growth, I think this is a team that might take some lumps early in the Big East season. Because what we do know is that the Big East is extraordinarily capable this year, much better than last year's teams. Mm. Don't have a signature win, but have a lot of good efforts. Yeah. So when we come to town, we're still Villanova to a lot of these players. Oh, absolutely. It's not like we might be ranked, we might not be ranked, doesn't matter. 
We're still going to be the target on the back for all these teams. 100%. Looking for a long-awaited payback. Yep. Every time. So it's going to be a tough ride. The question is, is can that tough ride turn into a winning streak in late Feb- late January and February as we ru- try and run to a good spot in the big dance? This is going to be interesting. This Big East season could be a lot of fun. It's going to be messy. It's going to be messy. I, it wouldn't shock me if like the Big East – one seed finishes like eleven and seven. Yeah, I could definitely and like the 11 ten and a little low, but and, yeah, I could and the ten that. finishes like like four and fourteen or something like that. Like that's Georgetown. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be one of those things where you're gonna have a ton of teams similar to last year, where you don't know any of the seeding until yeah. like the last weaker game of the season. That's how I think it's gonna go. But we'll continue to monitor it, and we'll go from there. Perfect. Should we wrap it up with a little heart monitor? Yeah, why don't you go a little bit on the heart monitor? Don't want to spend a lot of time. Want to cut this off. But Omari, I think, is the topic of conversation this week. Absolutely. So we focused most of the heart monitor this year not on Josh Hart, not on Jalen Brunson, but on the Golden State Warriors, and in particular, Eric Paschal, because he is one of, various day-by-day, one of, or the leading scorer among rookies in the NBA. Everyone saw it coming. We predicted it here at the full 40 that he would lead the Golden State Warriors in scoring over (laughs) Steph Curry. You know, that's the kind of prediction you get here. Anyway, um, but no, in all sincerity, there were actually a a couple cool pieces that came out in the last week about Omari. So as you guys probably know, Omari got drafted by the Hawks, played a year with the Hawks. He was up and down. He was with the Hawks. He was with their G League affiliate got hurt at the end of the year, weight fluctuated a lot. He actually came into, got traded then in the offseason to the Warriors. He came into to the uh, summer league looking straight up fat. Like, the dude was fat. Yeah, He was super out of shape. If you see him now, he is so trim. And in some of these articles, and I'm not going to focus just on the weight, but in some of these articles, he in particular mentioned that he was up to 315 pounds coming into Summer League, which, mind you, his playing weight at Nova was about 265 or so. He's now down below 260. And you can see the difference on his Instagram posts and, frankly, the way he plays and the way he moves, too. He's way more nimble, way quicker. He's gotten carved out some solid minutes with the Warriors. But what was actually really cool and and what I want to focus on was – him opening up in a couple of these interviews, there was a, a write-up on him, and then, frankly, he opened up in, in a couple of press conferences as well, too, where he actually talked about his kind of personal growth and some of the struggles that, that he had dealt with being in Atlanta and kind of being outside of a structured environment and really not enjoying what he was doing and not enjoying basketball and not enjoying his life. And, you know, he talked about he'd come home and he really didn't have any guidance, and he credited a lot of you know the Warriors organization and the people around him to really help get him in a more structured environment this year and really get his kind of life back on track. And what I thought was really neat was you know he talked about and gave, actually gave some insight into his conversation that he had with Jay at, in April 2018, coming off the national championship, and came to Jay and said, "Hey, you know I'm thinking about going in the draft." And Jay's guidance to him was, "I think you're ready basketball wise." But personal, personally, I'm not sure that you're quite there. And Jay pointed out that you know the environment that you do best in is one that has a lot of structure around it. And in the NBA, you don't have that structure. You inherently lose it. And 
that's exactly what played out. And it was it was really, really interesting and really insightful, I thought, for Omari to actually open up and, and offer that out to the public to say, hey, I actually struggled with this. I came into this environment in the NBA that lacked the structure. I was depressed. I was eating a lot. And I was struggling personally and professionally. And obviously, he's transitioned and been a lot more successful in the past you know, couple months. Um, and it was neat to see that you know he actually reached back out to Jay when the guys were when Nova was back on on the West Coast for their scrimmage against uh, USC and was able to Omari was able to reconnect with Jay, and it's been neat to to see that and see his growth. And obviously, we always root for all of our Nova guys here. And look, it doesn't mean anything, but you start to see you look at social media and you start to see some more interactions of the other Nova guys with Omari so maybe there's a little bit more of that connection and hey look we're always rooting for him but I thought that was that was really neat Omari's always been a guy that opens up and, and has a lot more to him than certainly just basketball and yeah, I love he was that. like a poet when he was at school he and, still is and yeah, he's, he's, he's still posted on his Instagram and stuff like that so like I, I'm really excited to see him get kind of back on track and get in not only basketball shape, but kind of personal shape. And, and hopefully it's starting to lead down a much more successful track for him. Yeah. I, look, I think this is important on a lot of different levels. I love the fact that he opened up about it. I think that's really cool. Um, I, and I think it's really cool because, you know, we like to joke and have fun in the full 40. Yeah. Um, but, you know, mental health, serious issue. Yeah. And... Um, I think it's important that people see people in the public eye be honest yeah. about what they're going through because it's interesting when you see people that you know and how they're doing, right? And it's interesting when you see that play out because when you see other basketball players, like when you look at LeBron James, oh, LeBron James, whatever. Yeah. But uh, like Kevin Love was one of the first ones who Kevin came out. Kevin Love was one of the but yeah. DeMar DeRozan. Yep, yep. Um, but it's even interesting, like because there's a Villanova podcast, right? Right. Like there's a lot of Villanova people who struggle and have struggled with yep. mental issues. And for candidly, sure. I'll be completely honest, I have myself. Yeah. Right. At times, and it is interesting when you see people who you know or can at least relate with. Like Romari was a classmate. Yeah. With a lot of people who are still in school. Yeah, that's true. And post-grad. So, like, so like, you see them and you see them being these, like, famous people now. And, like, to get a little dose of that realism kind of humanizes them. But also, like, it gives that permission to talk about it and be a little more honest about it and remove the stigma and all that other stuff. So I know we're usually trying to be light and easy, but I do think it's an important topic, especially as we go into a holiday season, season of gratefulness, etc. And I'm kind of grateful that Omari kind of opened up about that yeah. and became, you know, a person for maybe a lot of Villanova people who said, wow, wow, if Omari can open up and he's going through that, you know, maybe I should open up. Maybe I should get right. Whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I know it's a little bit of like a different angle, but I thought that was a cool heart monitor uh, segment, not something that we usually do. Yeah. And that's all I got. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's a good ending. Yeah, so with that, again, Penn and St. Joe's this week. After that, we'll get you a podcast sometime next days. week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But after that, it's a Delaware game. And then, again, as we said, from the top of the podcast, connecting it, another fucking week until the Kansas game. It's wild. So eventually, <laughs> we'll, we'll be at Biggie's play and be able to cover two games a week and two games to look forward to. Gosh. But we'll be for a while. Yeah. So that's it. 
Thanks for listening. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.